This is Catch 22 Minutes. Welcome to this episode of Catch 22 Minutes and thank you for listening. So I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the term county lines and will have read and seen news articles or in TV shows um, highlighting the impact of it. But the reality is children as young as seven are being criminally exploited to traffic drugs across the country at high risk to themselves and to others. For children and young people who are victims of county lines activity, the impact on their lives and the lives of those around them can be devastating. We know that grooming techniques are becoming more advanced and that escaping the clutches of these perpetrators can be incredibly difficult. So what techniques are perpetrators using to lure children into county lines activity? Why are victims seemingly getting younger? What is being done to support children and young people caught up in county lines activity? And what can be done to tackle it? Well, we're going to be unpacking this and more with two fantastic guests. So I'm joined by Johnny Balderson, who is Senior Service Manager for Catch-22's County Line Support and Rescue Service, and James Houghton, Safeguarding Operational Lead for the British Transport Police's County Lines Task Force. So welcome to both of you. Um, first question to you, James, very general one. What, what is meant by the term County Lines? So... County lines, uh, as defined by the Home Office, uh, is a term that's used to describe gangs and organised criminal networks um, that are involved in the uh, exporting of illegal drugs to uh, importing areas. Um, and the key thing uh, that, that demarks county lines is through the use of a dedicated mobile phone or, or what's referred to as a deal line. Um, and what we observe um, is that these lines uh, are likely uh, to exploit children uh, and vulnerable adults um, to move and store drugs and money um, and often other paraphernalia um, and that that will also use uh, the co coercion and intimidation uh, including violence and, and weapons. Um, the deal line is the critical element here um, and different people may be involved across that one branded line. Um, and that's the method for attracting and delivering uh, to customers. Can you sort of describe to the scale of this problem? I, I was just reading, you know, some stats from the Children's Society that says, you know, 90% of English police forces have seen county lines activity in their area. What is the scale of the problem in, in your view, James? I think that's difficult to answer. However, the problem is significant. There are approximately 600 branded deal lines nationally. That's down from approximately 1,000 branded lines that were reported in 2019. Um, but what we observe, certainly for us, is that the rail network is a key method of transportation. Um, and the County Lines Task Force, of which I'm a part, um, is to support uh, British transports disruption and, and safeguarding activity across key um, locations. So we could highlight particular areas uh, involved in exportation, um, but in terms of importation, um, it's vast. Uh, we cover England, Scotland and Wales. Johnny, can I bring you in there just on the scale of the problem? So obviously Catch-22 runs this national um, support and rescue service in relation to county lines. So what are you seeing within that service? Exactly what Jane says. Really, um, it is it is national. I, I'd I'd say it is definitely the where we're doing our rescues from initially are, are all around the UK, and we recently had some from Scotland um, and North Wales as well recently. So we are we are seeing it in all areas of the UK. 
Um, I think where there's a need, there, a, a line will be created, a, a county line will be created. If it's not county line, I think we can even see it as nationally created across into other countries, uh, which obviously is exporting and smuggling drugs, but that now they're using young people to actually get those drugs across to places like Dubai and things like that. Um, because obviously the younger the younger people being used to traffic these drugs are obviously um, going to get a less severe punishment than if an adult would have trafficked those drugs over. So we are seeing uh, exploited young people being used over into Dubai and places like that. So wherever there's a need, I think a county line or a line of some sort could be created. And that's that's the concern. But like James said, it's national. Interesting. And in terms of these reports of children younger and younger getting involved in this so we're talking primary school age children you know age seven up upwards is that a trend you're seeing in our services johnny yeah so it's like a bit of a ladder sort of um setup really so we're seeing the runners they used to be 13 and 14 the drug runners for the gangs used to be 13 14 we're seeing them now as young as nine um and, and you think about it, the runners at nine picking up bad debts that leads on to impacting their families as well um and that and that can lead on to friends and all sorts of things so yeah we're seeing them very young and i think it will just get younger unfortunately because of the, the way it works um once someone gets in a bad debt and the pressure's on from the gangs they'll move on to somebody else and if those people are taken up they'll go down to another age group so it's just constant the pressure and i think um yes yeah, intimidating for the young people definitely james just moving to you what's motivating these young people to essentially fall victim really of county lines activity is it to do with these sort of more sophisticated techniques of the perpetrators is it to do with maybe their own sort of financial difficulties or the financial difficulties of their families given everything that's going on what, what, what do you think is behind this sort of trend there's something about us recognizing that county lines is a business model and it's a very successful business model that uses children uh, and vulnerable people effectively um, and I think for us being able to recognize what the hook is sometimes or what the exchange is that's taking place. So we can't just contact, we can't just safeguard people through containment. We have to understand what's actually in operation in terms of the exchange, um, and the, um, at least perceived payoff, um, for that person or the trap, um, or whatever the set of circumstances are, I think we could improve how we understand that in the circumstances that we're coming across. And that would give us a better opportunity of being able to disrupt harm and increase safety. I don't think we can necessarily remove all risk. I think for us, there's a multitude of reasons and it's not always possible to identify the how uh, or the where a young person was initially groomed um, and or recruited. Um, but there are uh, messages, uh, subtle messages that we see uh, across social media that we see um, on a local level as well, um, where uh, they're, they're working, they might work to make certain forms of activity attractive, uh, for example, a route to earn, and that could be through um, material uh, goods. But one of the key things, um, certainly in my experience, uh, is overwhelmingly, there's a targeting of um, young people who perhaps lack some of the structure and stability in key areas uh, of their lives, for example, education, uh, it could be the community, could be within their family. Um, it's looking uh, for people that are at heightened risk of vulnerability. Um, and particularly at that point where children are um, forming their identity, their place in the world. Um, and often by the time, as Johnny mentioned, the, the age that they come to notice, 
is the point that they may already be involved or potentially trapped in these circumstances. So in terms of the age when people first start to be groomed, I suspect that it is quite significantly younger. Yeah, that's interesting. So we are very much talking about these children, young people as victims. Um, Johnny, just expand for us a little bit more on the techniques that are being used by perpetrators. So can you give us some examples of how these young people are targeted and their vulnerabilities exploited? Yeah, so recently I saw a, a video that went out on Snapchat and also goes out on, I think, all other social media as well. Um, and the advert was so professionally done, it could have easily passed as a Marcus, Marks and Spencer's one or any other sort of um, company. It looked that professionally done. It was edited. The music was over the top. And at the end, it said uh, recruitment opportunities available. Now, if I'm a young person and I know my mum and dad are struggling for food because of the economic crisis, um, this advert pops up, it almost, you might think, well, actually, is that just a paper round or something? You might think it's something that's actually professionally done and I can do it legally and it must be fine. Um, so, yeah, social media is huge. Um, we did a re rescue recently and before we know it, the Snapchat is going all over the place quickly on the young person's phone because that's how they get recruited so quickly and, and information can pass so quickly on their advertising on there. I've got this, we can pick this up, etc. So, yeah, social media is huge and obviously... You know, you've got the usual places, grooming them from school, um, peer pressure, uh, parks, everywhere. So uh, being a young person today is difficult, especially things as easy, such as simple as online gaming, gaming, playing FIFA or Modern Warfare or games like that. Um, that's how chats open. That's how people groom them. That's how gifts are given on those games, which obviously young people will then start to talk to and open up to that person before they know it. they're getting packages delivered to their door and things like that. And what kind of timescale are we talking here? I mean, presumably it varies, but in terms of that grooming process, I mean, could it be weeks, months, years even, when perpetrators are sort of working on a particular young person to get them involved in this? I think I think it depends on the need of that young person. If it's if it's immediate, like their need of money or they're struggling or they're maybe depressed or they, they want to, like James says, want to fit in the world somewhere and they think actually um, being part of a gang or being wanted or needed, is something that is really meaningful to them at that time. And I think it would be a lot quicker for someone who's actually against it at first. Um, so it could be literally days or it could be months, I think. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think that, again, certainly in the task force, we're coming into contact with children. Essentially, they're actively being exploited. They're, they're, they're identified at that time. Um, and to try and piece that together uh, and identify and pinpoint when, um, is really quite difficult. Um, I think what we're often looking for is what's the shift that's required around children um, that's going to increase safety. Um, and some of that includes disruption in the work that, that we do. And then obviously the direct work and the and the work around the whole system around that child and family that, that Johnny and various other organisations will also deliver. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to pick up on that kind of um, journey in a minute, but let, let's go back to your particular organisation, obviously Catch 22 British Transport Police. Um, James, talk us through what happens when you get alerted of a or, or one of your one of your staff kind of picks up a, a child, young person who it seems has been involved in County Lines activity. Just talk us through that that sort of process and what, and what happens. So for for the task force, they they deploy all over the country. Um, and what would ordinarily um, happen is that they would be um, they come to the notice of police. 
Um, and that can be for a multitude of reasons, but it's normally because there's suspicion uh, that they're involved in some form of county line activity. What we've done um, and the role that I have within BCP is from that immediate first point of contact that we're considering the safeguarding of that child. So we're, we're alert to the fact that that young person um, potentially is involved in some form of criminality. That's how they've come to the attention of police. Um, but of course, it's it's not that simple. Um, and there's um, a significant drive for us to identify that the vulnerability uh, for young people. So part of the role that we have um, is around thinking across agencies, how do we collaboratively need to intervene at this time, at this critical time from, from the offset? I guess, Johnny, that's where an organisation like Catch22 comes in. So describe how you would then um, sort of take the reins on that. Yeah, that's a brilliant link that, James. Um, so, yeah, we would basically, once on receiving a referral, we would work with that young person because we've got such a, a good uh, period of funding for three years from the Home Office. We can work with that young person now from the age of 14 for three years till they're 17 if the need is there and if the support is there. We will focus on, on different parts of um, support need that they, they might have, such as healthy relationships. Do they need a bit more unpicking understanding of what a healthy relationship, what is their peer pressure, what is their peer relationships like? Also looking at things as substance misuse, maybe is there domestic abuse at home? Um, what's going on for this young person? So we try and give that um, that sort of open ear for that young person to share and tell us what's going on for them and actually why they felt the need to actually um, I don't know, put themselves out there to be exploited in some ways. Because it's obviously it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's, it's horrible. And like what's going on for these young people, they, as James said earlier, they want to fit into the world somehow. And these people are actually exploiting them and taking away that right. And they're forgetting to be how to be children, which is terrible. As we sort of said in the intro, you know, um, county lines activity affects not only the person directly involved in it, but the, the people around them and their families. I mean, is part of your role kind of working with families through this as well? How do you sort of navigate that, which I would imagine is quite tricky? Yeah, so we would work with the parents. Um, we also work with, obviously, work with the child and the parents and any other adult that may live in that household that is uh, has had quite a positive impact on that on that young person. Um, we offer support to them. We also maybe possibly offer um, outside, well, external partners that we have, such as Safe Call or um, Coof and things like that, which are anonymous. If they don't want to talk to us, well, given their details, they've also got these anonymous um, uh, organisations that they can talk to and open up to and get information from if they're not willing to do that. Because it's a, we've got to work with the parents to get them to understand, to notice the indicators that their child might be, be at risk, or is there anything that they could do to actually reduce those risks or actually get their young person to get their child to actually open up and talk to them in some way. So yeah, we will work with the family. We'll work with other professionals as well that are working closely with that young person to see if we can get around the uh, professionals, all professionals around that person to work together. And in terms of thinking about how you prevent this, because we've talked quite a lot about, you know, that this is happening, the scale of the problem, how you can intervene and hopefully prevent young people sort of falling back into County Lines activity. But taking a step back, what do you feel needs to be done to actually prevent this in the first place or at least reduce the sort of frequency of, of county lines? Um, maybe I can come to you first, James, if that's OK. Uh, that's another huge question. Um, I think that one of the key things for the task force is to identify those that are are exploiting um, people and stop them. Um, 
that's one of the key drives and they can't do that no agency can do that single-handedly and that's where um the example that john has just given and the work with local children's services and various other organizations is so critical i think there's some significant concerns uh, or significant issues for us societally around poverty um and around um families um basic needs um which i think johnny was um mentioned earlier possibly without putting words in your mouth johnny around the cost of living crisis uh, and various other challenges um i think that across all agencies uh, we need to think about how we can deal with debt bondage um because regardless of of how we are intervening often children are left with debts um and there is no clear answer as to how we can can best respond um and the other element perhaps more broadly um is a review of how we intervene particularly in the the dilemma across victimhood um and perpetrator and the system as it's set up at the moment we do our best um to work within those within that binary position but i think again um uh, across agencies um and nationally and, and in government we need to think critically about what potentially needs to shift and that is a mindset shift as I was just about to say a shift as you said that word James so yeah excellent and Johnny anything to add to that in terms of you know sort of the prevention agenda yeah I think I agree with everything James said there as well and we've got to understand that these young people are, are victims um, unfortunately they will be arrested first majority of time potentially they'll be put in a cell for maybe a certain period of time that itself is a traumatic experience um, but are they the, are they the perpetrators Possibly not, they could be the victims. So we've got to look at how people are treated. It's hard to identify perpetrator victims, especially as they're getting younger and younger. So we could have 14-year-olds almost near the top of the chain and nine-year-olds at the bottom of the chain. They're all victims. That's the that's the most difficult thing. Um, you also get the, the vulnerable side of it where the young adults, 24, 23s, who have, who have autism, who have Asperger's, who have personality disorders, they're being um, exploited in terrible ways as well. So it's... We've really got to identify if this person's a victim first. The problem is they're more likely to dabble in both. So it's very difficult. And it, yeah, it's really, really difficult. But that is if something we could do, that would be that would be brilliant, as well as sharing as much data as possible across the country. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the solutions, you know, great solutions both of you have come up with really focus on the kind of the, the victims. Um, James, something you said earlier about the kind of perpetrators, can I ask what's the kind of success rate in being able to identify the people who are behind all this? Because it must be incredibly complex, as you said, a lot of it happening online, um, getting more sophisticated. How do you go about identifying those people? What is the success rate in being able to bring them to justice? From my experience, the County Lines Task Force, um, they're investigating suspected modern slavery. So they're looking at um, identifying those that are essentially trafficking children um, and looking to charge those people. I think that the majority of investigations that we hold um, are on the basis of evidence that we have which without disclosure in, in the sense that a young person isn't coming and telling us that they've been moved or they've been trafficked or they've been coerced um it's drawn from the evidence that's gathered through the investigation um, and ultimately what what british transport police uh, are wanting to do uh, alongside many other forces across the country um is to identify those that are trafficking children and prevent them from doing so and just finally to kind of wrap up 
are you optimistic that we will be able to tackle the issue of county lines, that we will be able to reduce the number of young people involved in it? You've both suggested ways in which that can happen and areas that need to be tightened. But are you optimistic or are we in a really grave position? Johnny? Oh, that is a, that is a big question. That is a difficult question because I'd love to in an ideal world say, yes, it's brilliant. Everyone's working together, all guns blazing. We are, we are good to go and um, everything's going to be fine. However, it all depends on people working together and professionals working together. Is there too many um, legislation and policies in the way that stopping us doing that work together? Is social media being protected by certain laws and things like that? It's very difficult. Um, I think James on the front line with the, on the British Transport Police, I think that's probably going to make more impact than, than anything, really, I think, directly, because you're, you're there on the spot. And I think that work is, is key, um, where the support is, is helpful. But... Yeah, I think it's a, it's a massive question. Um, I wish we could say yes. I wish I could. James? There's so many different ways that I could try and answer that question. I think being thinking about what needs to shift, um, I'm thinking around us creating viable opportunities, viable circumstances for children and families. What we need to move away from um, is this idea that we can just work independently with children and they'll choose a different way forward um it's it that that's not the answer from my perspective it's about how everything needs to shift around that child or that family and there's some really significant issues that the that we face across the sector at the moment uh, across all services particularly statutory services um and i think that ultimately we need to continue to build and increase capacity to be able to do that Thank you to Johnny and to James for their insights. County lines is a term that many people are familiar with, and yet the extent of how county lines operates is largely unknown. We know that there are hundreds of lines across the country and that the rail network is a key way in which drugs are being trafficked. Whilst it's difficult to quantify the scale of the problem, we do know that people are being exploited at a younger age and through more sophisticated techniques. During this episode, we discussed the reasons why young people may become involved in county lines activity and the fact that poverty and the basic needs of families in the face of the cost of living crisis is increasingly becoming a motivating factor. Whatever way you look at it, though, these children and young people are victims of exploitation. We need to stop the perpetrators, and the only way to do that is for agencies to work together. But it's equally vital to try to tackle the conditions that make some children or young people more vulnerable than others. That means tackling inequality, improving access to mental health services, and ultimately putting in support early for those who need it.